Ed Morris. You're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 212. That's 212 of Friars on the Farm podcast. With me is Roy. Oh, gentlemen, start your your engines. Oh, man, we've got some great, great races going on right now. Dude, it, beginning of this whole weekend series, and I have it in the affiliate rundown, this whole weekend series was about, you know, last week we kind of given up on the storm. So they brought a bunch of guys up to bolster the team in, in Fort Wayne, and then they go on a run. Yeah, and I was kind of feeling the same way about Fort Wayne. I, I didn't think that yep. they were that close to contention. And now both of those teams are neck and neck uh, to, to make their way into the postseason. So by the end of this, by the end of this week, tonight's Monday, the the last week of the season is this next week. We'll figure out. Well, I think the storm are definitely going. Are, are the storm are, are definitely going because they won the first half. Or, or was it? Um, no, that the missions. The missions won the first yeah, half. The, yeah, the San Antonio yeah. won the first half. So, so now the storm, going to the storm are going to go play Inland Empire, and Inland Empire is the team that they are neck and neck with. So it's like this next week of storm baseball is going to determine if they're going to play postseason baseball. That's exciting. So, Absolutely. So check on Twitter because I'll be watching most of those games, if not all of them, and and hopefully posting some rad videos. Yeah. So today we've got a little bit of Major League Minute, some uh, some some recent transactions and call ups, uh, some minor league news, a great article on Jairo Iriarte, and then our affiliate rundown with the big weekend series in Lake Elsinore, Fort Wayne, and everything else going on in the uh, Padres minor league system. Oh my god. <laughs> so, so let's first let's start it off with a major league minute so matthew matt waldron and matthew bat were both recalled before the end of august um i thought that was kind of interesting and since that has happened we've noticed matthew batten's been playing a lot in the field yeah. while manny machado has been dhing a lot so something to do with with manny's elbow uh hurts when he's throwing so you know, he can bat just fine. Doesn't hurt him when he's swinging a bat so that's fine let matthew batten come up and he's been hitting so well yeah had a, had a rough game. Was that Friday? I think he had a rough game with, with the two errors in the winning. inning. Although the second error, I watched the second error, and the ball, he he got the ball right. The ball got to him right when the runner was getting there. So it kind of got right in his way. So the second error, I kind of don't blame on him. But, you know, he had the, the rough, and the ball that he was hit, the first error, that ball was smoked. Was absolutely that, you know, smoked. That's it. It's major league baseball. Everything happens so fast. Yeah. And so, you know, you don't realize how fast a hundred plus mile an hour batted ball gets on you. And plus it's got the crazy curve and it takes yeah. a little bit of a hard bounce and it only makes us appreciate how good Manny Machado is for making it look so easy. Oh, absolutely. And well then, and you know, they didn't bring up Jackson Merrill. Thank God. And you know, they brought up Brett Sullivan, we're like, okay, what, what's going on there? And then yesterday happened when Capasano got hit in the growing uh, and got pulled out of the game. You're like, well, Preller oh looks like a genius gosh. there. God, he looks like a genius. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's nice to have the third catcher on the roster. Uh, so then if something does happen and you've got your backup and then something happens to your backup, you can pinch hit. It opens up a bunch of of, oper- of situations. Uh, plus, Brett Sullivan bats lefty. So I think that, you know, maybe maybe they'll do something with that. Although uh, the way Sanchez and Camposano picked up the second half of the season, um, you know, there isn't really a need for improvement there. But having right. the a little more depth and a deeper bench is nice. So, yeah, yeah Brett Sullivan was recalled. Uh, on September 1st and Tim Hill came off the IL. 
Um, let's hope Tim Hill, the major leaguer, looks better than Tim Hill, the minor leaguer, has been looking lately. Uh, but before we move off Matthew Batten, on the season, he's batting 310 with a 383 on base and a 524 slugging as a major leaguer with three doubles and two home runs. You know, have have a day, have a month, Matthew Batten. I couldn't be yeah. happier for the guy. I think he had what, a four-game hit. Four, was it a four-game or a three-game hit? It was a four-game yeah, hit. What, what, a hitting streak? Oh, no, a, four, the... a four hit game. Yeah. 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 He he's been, it's like, there's no expectations on him. You know, I wonder if that's some of it, like you get called up the first time and you've got your family there and, and you've got all the butterflies and all this. And then the next time you get called up there, the, all those expectations are gone. You're like, yeah. you're just a guy, just show up and, and do your thing and he can relax and let the game come to him. Yeah. And, and absolutely guys just let the airs are going to happen. I know it's rough. It's just kind of like a hammer on the head of a really bad headache for the season, but like he let him be him. Let Matthew Batten be Matthew Batten. If, if he comes back next year, you know, on, on a minor league deal or, or how that, however that works, we might need a fourth infielder or fifth, you know, fifth infielder. Um, it's not a bad option because he knows the team, he knows the organization and he feels comfortable. Right. And he could play everywhere. Yeah, and I, I think in the minors at this point, he's played every position except catcher and center field. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's great to have those kinds of Swiss Army knives. And yeah. For a while, I was a, a, a bit of a Seattle uh, Mariners fan when I was living up in Portland. And Willie Bloomquist was my guy because yeah. he could just play everywhere and he could hold it down. And that's what Matthew Batten's been been able to do so far. Yeah. Um, so one other interesting little note that happened, and this was like under the radar, Jerickson Profar was signed to a minor league deal. Totally under the radar. I, I think I was the one that broke the news on Twitter. I just happened to get up that morning and I, oh, let's see what happened in the minor league transactions. Wait, Jerickson Profar signed and it was on the 31st. So yeah. I wonder if that transaction went in like right at the end of the month, because then when you load it up <laughs> on September 1st, you don't see what happened in August. So they kind of like slid that one under there. Um, so far, he's off to a pretty good start. I know you've got that in our notes for El Paso. Yeah. Um, he's only played left field. He was listed as a third baseman on the transaction log, but I think that's just one of those weird clerical things he's a left field dh uh maybe play a little bit of first base if they need him to um but i've okay so machado's been playing dh and just yesterday somebody was at the game early and they saw fernando tatis jr taking grounders at third base really yeah was he doing it for real or was he doing it to just kind of fart around i wasn't there so i couldn't tell you but you know i mean i'm sure he wants to keep his infielder chops fresh you know he he wants to keep that you know when an op if an opportunity (laughs) opens up coach you know put me back in he's he's embraced right field uh but there's nothing like the action in in the infield yeah um so if manny's being if if the word comes out that okay we're just not gonna have manny play third base at all the rest of the season uh who wants to shuffle shuffle over to third Maybe Tatis wants to do that. And then that would open up an opening in the outfield where I could see Profar possibly sliding in. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, reading way into the tea leaves. Right. And I'm kind of glad that they didn't bring him right up and, you know, and still gave Matthew Batten and Brett Sullivan, a, 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 you know, some time in the big leagues. Uh, Profar was he, got, he, I, he was kind of the glue, really the glue last year that kept that team kind of together. And when he opted out, yeah, I think I talked about it on the podcast as well. Like he opted out during the best season of his entire career with a guy that was coming up through the Texas organization was absolutely 
supposed to be the next the, the next coming of you know a prospect coming up to the big leagues and big a big splash and never really did until this last year with uh with the Padres and opted out and didn't get signed till I think the almost first day of spring training. Right. It was way late. And he signed for barely more than what he opted out of with the right. Padres. Right. And and it has not gone well for him this year. I've pulled up his numbers. He's batting 236 with a 316 on base, and he's only slugging 364. So that's not the kind of performance that anybody wants out of a left fielder. Um, you know, that's like if your utility infielder was doing that, you'd be look at looking at him like, well, I don't know if he's going to stick. Right. So it's he took a risk, and you got to bet on yourself. You have yeah. a good season. He's been waiting for that payday this whole time, and it just didn't come. Um, but yeah, so last year it seemed like him and Alfaro and maybe a couple other guys were the ones bringing the energy and he was the one that was always kind of getting things riled up. Like right. somebody would slide hard into something or pitch inside and he was the one getting upset and like, he was the enforcer, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the Padres really haven't had that kind of fire going on this year. Um, but I, I, I can't imagine that he was brought back in for that. You know, yeah, it, no, it was no. more of a, okay. He needs a job. We've got a potential opening. If this and that happens, we may need somebody. So why don't you come back to where you're comfortable and see if you can, you know, plus on top, okay, go launch nukes in the Pacific coast league for the next yeah. month and make people <laughs> believe that you can do that in the majors again next year. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I doubt we're going to see him in the majors. This might be the kind of thing where he right. plays for a couple of weeks and then opts out. Like we saw what we saw Oscar Mercado do that. We saw Jose Iglesias opt out like 14 times this year. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm not, yeah. you can't read too much into it, but it's kind of fun too anyway. Yeah. So let's move on to the minor league news. And, and really this week is all about the pitching. Like th this whole season is, has been about the growth and development of young exciting pitching here in the minor league system and it goes well beyond your Robbie Snellings and it goes well beyond your Dylan Lesko's who's had a great game we'll talk about here in a minute but starting off Victor Lizarraga who had a tough first half of the season and then got sick and it just took a while to kind of get back uh, on track was voted uh was Midwest pitcher of the week Fort Wayne tin cap starting pitcher Victor Luzaraga has been named the Midwest League Pitcher of the Week. Minor League Baseball announced Monday. The 19-year-old right-hander threw six scoreless innings Sunday afternoon at Parkview Field as the tin caps defeated the Dayton Dragons, Cincinnati Reds affiliate, 6-1. to one. Fort Wayne won four of six games in the series. This is yeah. the third consecutive week a tin cap has won a Midwest League award. Earlier this month, Graham Polly and Jacob Marcy claimed the Player of the Week honor. Uh, in May, Jairo Iriarte earned Pitcher of the Week award, while Marcos Castagnon garnered a Player of the Week accolade in July. All of those players, by the way, have now moved up to AA. Yeah. It's the first time the Team Caps have had five different weekly award winners in a year since 2009 when the club had seven individuals recognized on the way to winning the Midwest League Championship. For the season, from the rookie level up through AAA, Padres prospect have won 24 weekly awards, the second most out of MLB's 30 clubs. Dodgers prospects have earned 29. Lizarraga, yeah, um. yeah, them Dodgers, them bumps. <laughs> um, Lizarraga was the only pitcher in the league this past week to throw six or more shutout innings while striking out multiple batters. Statistically, it was his best performance of the season as he struck out five and allowed just three singles and one walk as he threw 79 pitches, 52 of which were strikes. And if you want to see the list of all the guys that have won a weekly award in the Padres system, go hit up the Mad Friars Twitter account. They listed them all, all out, and I think it took two separate tweets it's, right? because there were <laughs> 
so many names in there. So, and that goes a long way with, you know, the season took a big jump after all the trades of last year and the year before to, you know, to acquire the large major league talent. It just goes to show you how much, how brothers scouts in the scouting department and the amateur and, and the international scouting department for the Padres is just exceptional at identifying talent, getting it signed and getting it into the system. So, you know, I think we're a little undervalued in a way, but certainly as those guys are now, most of those guys are in double in A, still showing their own and doing very well. I think in the following year, we could also see uh, another rise in, in the rankings of, of, you know, the prospect list, because simply this talent is, is moving up and it's like third grand ball. It was 13th round. That's one of the funny things I asked about Jed about him. Like, dude, he's 13th round. And he's, you know, he started in a ball and went as well the way up to double A in one season. Right. And he wasn't really I mean, 13th rounder. He wasn't really a prospect in, in air quotes before this right. season, but he's drawn a lot of, a lot of attention just from his play. And then you go up to Lake Elsinore and you see all these guys that are fresh out of the draft. And I was looking around. It's like half of these guys on the field right now were drafted this year. And we're not used to seeing that Lake Elsinore. For one thing, it was high A until a couple of years ago. And we're used to having short, there's not short season ball anymore. So that's what you see at Lake Elsinore the second half of the year. But still, it's cool to look at a guy and go, this kid was just drafted this year. And here he is, you know, playing first base and driving in runs and, yeah, it's it's exciting. So yeah. as these players move up, then the evaluators are going to believe in the value, believe in the talent more, yeah. and you'll see their names start to pop up a little bit more. You know, in my game on Friday, Braden Ned, I, I had no idea who that kid was, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, 96, 95. That's a really good breaking ball. Holy cow, he's got a change up. Like, where did this kid come from? And, and now he's was, your California League Pitcher of the Week. You know. <laughs> Braden Nett got it. Uh, I thought I saw his name listed in there. Let me, let me, let me, let me look this up. But, but just to kind of emphasize, like I had no idea where he was. I think he was a non-drafted free agent this year. But holy cow! You know, he was in that list of where Mad Friars. Where I said that they tweeted okay. out he received an award at some point this year. Okay, it might have been the ACL because I think that was his second uh, second game, first start. I think uh, was the game I caught on Friday. Okay. Um, it's like, where did this kid come from? And I had, I left early to get back home and he had a phenomenal start. It was just, Holy cow. Where does this kid come from? So it, it goes a long way with, with just AJ probably knows how to identify talent. We just need to develop it and keep it in the system. Let these guys develop in the system. We don't need to rush them up. Well, if we have a chance to put you in front of uh, Mr. Preller, we can have you uh, yeah. Get out the megaphone and, and preach to him. Master Prowler. <laughs> AJ, dude, really? Come on. Okay, let's right. get it on. Yeah, so tell, tell us about what Brian Yancelson wrote about Jairo Iriarte. So a couple of weeks ago, and I tried, getting this, I tried to get it on the agenda a couple of times, and it just kept getting kicked out, kicked out. So Brian Yancelson, uh, he's also the one of the play-by-play uh, guys for San Antonio, and he had a great write-up on Jairo Iriarte, and um, it really talks about the, uh, the relationship he's had with Brandon Venezuela. So going on, as a child of LaGuardia, Venezuela, Jairo Iriarte remembers liking two things, school and baseball. However, he had to wait a bit longer than most to start playing his nation's beloved sport. In Venezuela, most kids began playing baseball at five years old, but my dad worked a lot and my mom didn't have a ton of time to take me to practice, Iriarte said. My mom always made enough, uh, made a big effort though, so I got to start playing baseball at seven years old. 
God, that's in America. You're like, God, that kid's like, he's already behind. Um, once well, I mean, day, seven years old. Yeah. yeah. You played what you played T-ball you played with the <laughs> pitching machine and you're starting to face live pitching at age seven. <laughs> once his days, uh, once his days in the diamond got going, he eventually landed at one of Venezuela's top baseball academies. In 2018, the Academy hosted a showcase where Major League Baseball teams came to scout kids mostly younger than him. Iriarte, not considered that young anymore, despite being just 16 years old, outshined everyone. That day, I threw 21 pitches and 19 were strikes. I can imagine that is what they liked, Iriarte said. (laughs) Iriarte began his professional career in 2019, one year after signing with the Padres in the MLB's Dominican Summer League, there who recorded a 3.31 ERA and walked only 14 batters in 35 and a third innings. After COVID-19 prevented him and so many others from playing in 2020, he moved to the United States in 2021 to pitch in the Arizona Complex League. It was different moving to a new country, but it was actually cool, Ariarte said. The biggest thing was just getting comfortable with everything. In Lake Elsinore, Ariarte gave up a whopping 27 runs, leading to an easy-to-calculate 27 ERA. Like any person, I didn't like failing, Iriarte said. I spoke a lot with my parents, and they told me not to worry, that the past is in the past, so to concentrate on the future because something better is always waiting. Something better was immediately waiting, and that was the birth of Iriarte's first child, Derek. Derek was born after the season, and it forced me to change my mentality. I told myself something had to change, and thankfully it did, Iriarte said. Now a father, Iriarte returned to Lake Elsinore for a full season in 2022, while a four and seven record with a 5.12 ERA may not jump out at the casual observer as a great season. It marked a drastic improvement for the tall right-hander. Plus, underlying numbers such as 109 strikeouts across 91 in the third innings and a 236 batting average against suggested talent clearly existed. After better results throughout an extended period in single aid, Ariarte began his 2023 campaign in high A Fort Wayne as a tin cap. Ariarte reunited with catcher Brandon Venezuela. The battery mates first met in Lake Elsinore at the end of 21, which was then, which was when Iriarte dealt with his most difficult period as a pitcher. Once Iriarte caught up to Venezuela, the two quickly rekindled their relationship because of how closely they worked together, both on and off the field. This year, we started in Fort Wayne and I caught nearly all his outings, Venezuela said. Plus, we were roommates on road trips, so whether we liked it or not, we had to get along. <laughs> <clears throat> As they spent most of the time together, Venezuela and Riarte became inseparable. Just a year apart in age, they identify with each other's experiences as young baseball players. More than anything, it is, it is knowing somebody is it is knowing somebody is going through the same thing as you. It truly helps having someone understand the roller coaster that is baseball, the ups and downs, the frustrations and celebrations. Venezuela said, "We are now like brothers." So I don't want to make this too confusing, but Jairo Iriarte is from Venezuela. Brandon Valenzuela is from Val- Mexico. Valenzuela. I just, I just wanted to. I, I just wanted to. Venezuela. I just wanted to point that out uh, because they are both native Spanish speakers, but the cultures are are very different. Um, yeah, and it seems that players tend to gravitate toward players from the same region because yeah. they share a lot of cultural uh, similarities. Might not be the case between these two, but at least they speak the same, the same, you know, native language. That's yeah, that's something. All right. So Venezuela, Valenzuela. Sorry. Thank you very much. Jesus loving God. OK. Having a teammate become such a close friend is always nice. There is an added bonus, though, when the teammates happen to throw the ball to each other. 
that's the best thing. The best thing a pitcher can have is a catcher he considers a companion, Iriarte said. My relationship with Brandon is a very good one. He is always helping. He is a real leader. So what changed from the early struggles in Lake Elsinore? Venezuela argued every aspect of Iriarte's repertoire improved, from his velocity to his movement. But most important shift is a more confident approach. He now attacks batters instead of waiting to fall behind before entering the zone. Valenzuela said he gets on the mound and tells the batter, I'm going to throw this pitch. Let's see if you can hit it. Before I was very patient when I faced hitters, faced batters. Now I just want strikes, either hit it or strike out. Either you get yourself out or I'll get you out. Ariarte said, everyone's goal is to make the big leagues, but I don't feel pressure. I just enjoy the game and try always to give my, the best I have. Ariarte said it can happen at any moment, but I just have to keep working it and giving my all. It's got to be hard to learn how to have that confidence to just pound the strike zone and bring it and trust your stuff to that the batters, the batter's not going to be able to square you up. And if they do put it in play, you can trust the defense behind you to pick you up. Yeah, Um, yeah, I I can imagine how how difficult that must be just psychologically to make that shift. Absolutely. And, you know, there were so many good pitching and performances. I'm double checking my work here. There were so many good pitching performances. I uh, I gave him number three. Like I went back and added his start to the affiliate rundown. And I like what he had to say about working with Valenzuela, about having somebody that you trust as a companion, as a yeah. friend, that because there always has to be some very difficult, honest, brutal truth to, to give. I mean, even in the middle of a game, you know, somebody points something out and there's always that, that doubt, like, you know, how dare you, you know, screw right. you. How can you tell me that I'm doing this wrong? Uh, but if you trust the guy that's telling you that, then you take it in a different context. Right. And you're, you're able to, that, that trust creates the confidence. Okay. I believe in him. I believe what he's saying. I need to make those adjustments and just overall, just having a friend you feel confident with just makes you a true battery mate. And man, you you can just go so far with that. And Iriarte, you're going to see here in a minute, folks, he is doing really well. So let's get on to the affiliate rundown. First, we want to give mad thanks to mad friars for allowing us to use some of the content in the affiliate rundown. I grab a lot of their content uh, sprinkled in with uh, the content that I get from all the affiliates. Particularly, I don't get none of that from the storm. So I get most of all the storm is all mad friars. Uh, most of the other stuff is kind of intermixed with uh, me watching the game and what I hear from the uh, what I get the emails from the uh, from the affiliates. So right, well, you, you were weekend. in attendance for Friday. So why don't you lead us off with strike right, one? So I'll do it. So the big, big weekend series win gets the storm within one game of first place. And remember, last week they were given up. They, they, we, everyone's kind of given up on them like. And they brought a bunch of guys up to Fort Wayne. So Friday, Braden Nett scored a solid performance on the mound, earning his first single-A win. Nett completed five shutout innings, allowing three hits. He walked four and struck out six. The 21-year-old signed with the Padres last season as an undrafted free agent. Control has been an issue, but he possesses good velocity and high-octane stuff between the ACL and Lake Elsinore. He struck out 41 and walked 34 batters in 36 innings, and opponents have hit just 185 against him. Like. He's just a tick away. He's just one mechanical shift away from just becoming really dominant. So look for him to kind of take a big step next year. Uh, he was sitting 93 while touching 95, 96 often. The slider was in the mid 80s and so was the changeup. So there wasn't, there was good break on the slider and, and the changeup was working really well. Um, I just, the, the inning I watched him pitch was just, was really, was really impressed with him. The Romeo Santabria started 
who's a big kid like this yeah, kid's he is. 20, he's 21 i'm like god that kid he's big he's not chunky he is just tall he is tall and he's got some muscle on him he started as designated hitter and delivered three hits in addition to scoring three runs since joining the storm the left-handed hitting slugger has an 826 ops since joining the storm homer bush jr had a pair of hits including a double his first hit i posted the video on twitter and a bunt single that was a good bunt but he had to hustle the first um he also made a spectacular catch to the left center robbing a giants hitter of a certain hit bush has been solid at the plate in his first professional experience hitting 271 378 and 386 and 83 uh, played appearances with the storm now i talked to jed about this and this is something that he like he talked about hitters identities and 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 once you have an identity, it, it's kind of hard, you know, you have to change your identity. And when he said hitter's identity, I almost wanted to put that on a shirt. We had to find some way to put that on a shirt. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, and I, I, and I mentioned like, if he can bring some power, this kid could be a superstar. Um, I don't know if I want him selling out for power with the speed, like let him hit the ball in the gap and run the base. It's like, get on, you know? So if he starts shelling out, you know, if he starts, you know, kind of, selling out for power the strikeouts are going to go up his ops is going to go down and you know it's kind of get him in that that weird area where he's not building his strengths but he's you know he's just kind of falling into the medium so i've kind of changed my mindset on on the kind of player that i think he should be and you know what i think is very important not really but certainly just allowing him be that hit the gaps hit doubles and triples be that table setter that i think he's going to be as he moves up what I've gathered from reading interviews and now you know you talking to him, um, it sounds like his whole game is just finally starting to come together. Yeah. You know what he dealt with his first couple of years in college, not playing a whole lot, uh, and then playing the Cape Cod League and shifting from playing a bunch of sports to focusing on just baseball getting his body in shape and all of this, it sounds like everything is still kind of developing and maturing as to who his identity is going to be as a yeah. baseball player. Um, and so we may be looking at a very different guy in a, in a year or two versus what we see right now, but regardless, I mean, the guy is crazy athletic. Uh, yep. Did you notice, was he playing left field or center field at the game that you he went was to? Center. Remember? He was center. Okay. Yeah. The game I went to, they had Dylan head in center and Homer Bush in left. I'd imagine they're just flip-flopping those guys to just, right. you know, you know, get experience at both spots. You know, in that interview with him, I talked about that. Like all that hard work he did his freshman year, then every year he played either in, in summer ball, in in college, or the Cape Cod League. Every year he improved. Everything improved. So the kids just the talents there, the work has been done, the work continues to be done. And he's just taking off like the talent, like you said, I think he's just gonna shoot up. Uh and the player that he is today certainly might not be the player he's going to be next year. And, and that's a good thing. That's certainly a good thing. For sure. Um, and I looked up Romeo Santabria. He's listed at six foot two, 200 pounds, but it's probably one of those where like, that's what he weighed in at the day that he showed up his first, his first big league, you know, his first spring training. Cause he's, yeah. he's a, he's a load. Yeah. And he was down there. He was down there warming up the pitcher in between because he was a catcher last year. Uh, now they got him playing first base and, and DH more. So anyway, let's keep moving. So strike two on Saturday. This is the game I was at. Nick votes double in the eighth inning, broke up a tie game to give the storm their third win in the series and pull within two games of the division lead. Emmanuel Pinales wasn't around to get the win, but continued to impress since his promotion from the ACL, making his third straight start of six innings or more in 32 and 
two-thirds innings with a storm. Pinales had 2.2 ERA as opponents are batting only 214. Now, he had a no-hitter through five innings. Sixth inning, he gave up a couple solo shots that wound up bringing the game back to a tie. Uh, But he was just, he was rolling. And it was a bunch of quick innings. He just was in control. Um, Dylan Head had his first multi-hit night in low A. Head, the Padres' first round pick this year, has been with the Storm for seven games after posting an 884 OPS in 14 games and 62 plate appearances in the ACL. Ruben Galindo picked up his fifth save while recording a pair of strikeouts. After uh, struggling to a 9.39 ERA and 15 and a third innings with the 10 caps, the Colombian righty has been very good in relief for the Storm, posting a .65 ERA with 47 strikeouts against only 12 walks in 41 and a third innings. And I can tell you, Ruben was throwing hard in that game. Ah, I one of those guys where you just like, if he can just put it together... Do you have a bullpen guy that can make it to the majors? Like, I know we're down here in A ball and he struggles in high A, but just it seems like one or two tweaks and he's right there. He totally could be. And he's been in the system for a while. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get to strike three. Uh, strike three is Sunday, 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 walk off Dylan Head. Dylan Head smacked a two out line drive single to the center to give the storm a walk off win as they claimed their third straight victory and pulled within one game of Inland Empire in the California League South standings. The two clubs will face each other in the final regular season of the year with the playoff spot on the line. That starts tomorrow, which will be tonight. You guys hear this podcast. With the Padres' first-round pick, the single capped a second-strike two-hit game as he bounced back from a 2-for-23 start in Lake Elsinore. After San Jose got to starter Henry Martinez for a pair of runs, the Storm bullpen allowed just one earned run on one hit over the final six and two-thirds innings. Francis Pena slammed the door shut on the Giants, striking out five in, of the six batters he faced to give his offense the opportunity for the ninth inning heroics. Now I've seen Pena too. I haven't seen him pitch, but only you know only on MILB TV. That's another kid who looks like a ball player. He's a big kid. Excuse me. Pena, twenty-two, didn't sign the first didn't sign his first professional contract until January of two thousand twenty-two. Still, he's enjoyed his first taste of full-season ball, posting a .56 ERA over 16, 16 innings since joining the Lake Elsinore bullpen in July. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about the international free agent guys. We're used to seeing these guys signing at 16, 17 yeah. years old. But every once in a while, you'll hear about somebody that that kind of kicked around and kept working and kept working. Maybe they were a, a late bloomer. Um, you know, is, I mean, Lord, I was, I was a shrimp until my junior year of high school. Yeah. And then finally I, I added some, some, I mean, I didn't fill out till I was like 30, but, <laughs> but yeah, some of these guys, they don't wind up kind of developing as a ball player to that point until they're in their twenties. I, I Michelle Baez was one of those guys that yeah. he was, I think 22 when the Padres finally signed him um, as a minor league free agent. Okay. So Fort Wayne big series this weekend that propelled the tin caps to first place. Strike one on Friday, Dylan Lesko had his best outing of his young career and notched his first professional win. The 19-year-old struck out nine in five scoreless innings. With a mid-90s fastball, a lethal changeup, and a complimentary curveball, Lesko set heights for innings, pitched, and strikeouts in his minor league baseball campaign. He threw 85 pitches, also a high, with 50 registering as strikes. In 16 innings while pitching at home, Lesko has allowed just one run and four hits, good for a .56 ERA. He's allowed 12 earned runs in eight innings on the road, good for a 13.5 ERA. Let's not worry about that. 
Yeah. With the season winding down, Lesko will get at least one more start. Perhaps more if Fort Wayne can make the playoffs. So him getting his first professional win. So he's coming off Tommy John. So he's limited his, his pitch count limited. I'm sure the number of times they want him getting up and down for, you know, how many innings he's going to pitch is limited. So 85 pitches to get through five innings is a fairly efficient outing. Yeah. So I, I think that speaks to him, you mm. know, not just being able to blow guys away, but also being able to work his way through a lineup multiple times. Absolutely. Griffin, Griffin Dorshing demolished a home run off the second <laughs> level of the Harrison building beyond left field. It was the Wisconsin natives third home run in seven games with the team since he left, since he came up from Lake Elsinore with Lesko. Uh, Mike Nutter tweeted it as one of the furthest balls he's ever seen hit at Parkview in his life. I hope they have good insurance on that building. You know, it's funny because talking to Jed, I, I saw that right before I did the interview with Jed and then Jed brought up Griffin Dorshing. He's like, Griffin Dorshing is a perfect example of like, we don't look at the stats. We look at the player. Um, I'm like, yeah, Mike Nutter just posted that he's hit the ball as far, like one of the farthest ball he's ever seen at Parkview. Well, so when he came up, somebody tweeted, like there was a, there was batting practice when he was in Juco and right. he hit one off the building and put a dent in the building. And in the picture, right? Yeah. And yeah. this, this ball was on the second floor of that same building. So here he is a few years later, you know, probably a few LBs stronger. And I mean, you look at the guy now last year, he looked a certain way this year. He's just straight up yeah. chiseled. I mean, yeah. he looks like Thor out there. So to finish it up, right fielder Lucas Dunn delivered a two-run single, and Dorshing, who finished with the game-best three hits, provided a run-scoring single. Second baseman William Cedeno socked a two-run homer in the fourth. It was his fifth homer of the season, all coming since July 29th. Cedeno, he's another guy that has kind of turned it on the second half. Yeah. I'm happy to see that for him, because I know he started off a little bit uh, fighting the injury bug. Yeah, New Orleans Cedeno, another one of those kids where you just, if you can put it together, we got something there. Uh, let's move on to strike two. Another arm, another promising young pitcher, another kid that has a bright future. Preferably, I, he might he he might need to get into the bullpen. I think, uh, but certainly as a starting pitcher right now, he's he's holding his own and he's putting his name. At, well, he's not holding his own. He's putting his name on the map. So Saturday, Austin Crab, Crab people. We gotta have you know, <laughs> Crab people. South Park, for those of you that remember South Park. Uh, dude, he struck out in a career-high 11 hitters. His only mistake came in the fourth inning when he surrendered a two-run homer with two outs. The lefty-sinker-slider the lefty -sinker -slider combination has helped him to a 2.79 ERA with 117 strikeouts across 103 and third and one-third innings for the Padres' two single-A affiliates in his first professional campaign. So this is his first year, and he's already made it to high A. Um, the, the sinker slider might need that third pitch needs to come along. I don't know where it's going to be of a change up or if it's going to be, um, you know, a, a different fastball, maybe a cutter. Um, but certainly like that's a career high, huge, huge. And this isn't his best. This is sorry. This is his best, but he's certainly done well consistently this year. Now left fielder Tyler Robertson ripped a go ahead two run single in the seventh and Fort Wayne notched the comeback win over the South Bend Cubs. Crab became the first 10 cap to strike out more than 10 batters in a game this season. Howard Iriarte had 10 at South Bend on June 25th. Last year, Jackson Wolf and Robert Gasser both had 11 strikeout games for Fort Wayne. Crab is one of only six pitchers to reach the 11 strikeout marks mark in the Midwest League this season. 
The left-hander threw a career-high 105 pitches, 66 of them for strikes, over six and two-thirds innings. After Crop's dominant night, Will Geardes, Jose Gerardo, and Cole Poplam finished off South Bend with the two and one-third innings of scoreless relief. Tinkast pitchers have recorded 14 strikeouts on the night. Now, they have on here that I didn't post. Robert Gasser is in AAA and, and pushing the door to make it to the big leagues. He is. He's having a really good year. Yeah. So, you know, ha- happy for him. Wish he could have wish he could have stuck with us. But, you know, yeah. that's he was part of the Josh Hader trade. And, you know, I, I guess you can't knock that. You got to bring in the best closer in baseball when you're having trouble closing games in a seam- season like what they had last year. Uh, Cole Papalum, he was the closer here in Lake Elsinore. And now they brought him up to, to Fort Wayne. And it seems like he stepped right into that same kind of a role. Hell yeah, big fan of him too. But Austin Crop, another kid that has kind of come out of nowhere um, and has just had a fantastic season. You know, it told me something that earlier this year, there was a shot of, I, I don't remember if the Padres were on the road or what, but they had some guys who were rehabbing, uh, players that were rehabbing. One of them was Tatis, um, you know, because he was suspended at the start of the season. Right. And they brought Crob in. He was the guy on the mound that was pitching to a bunch of major leaguers at Petco Park for that workout. And you know, they're not going to put just anybody up there. You know, they want somebody up there that can that can throw strikes and has some decent shape to their pitches. And right. yeah, you know, they want these guys facing pitchers with legit stuff. That's why they're not facing batting practice. Right. So that told me they said they saw something in this kid yeah. already. All right. So uh strike three on Sunday was the fifth consecutive win against the South Bend Cubs. It lands the Tin Caps in first way, first place in the Midwest League. Victor Lizarraga fanned a career-high nine hitters in his best start of the year. The San Diego native has had an up-and-down season, but has finished with a stretch of strong starts, giving up just three earned runs on 11 hits over 17 innings while posting a strong 20-to-4 strikeout-to-walk ratio. A pair of bouts with illness have cost him several starts and reduced his stamina at times this year, but when he's been on, he's continued to show great feel for his changeup, which was stellar on Sunday. Um, and I saw a little discussion uh, on Twitter between whoever was behind the keyboard at the Mad Friars account um, yeah. about, you know, well, what does that, that changeup look like? Well, it's always been his best pitch since they signed him. And it's the secondaries, the off speed, the, the, he has a slider, he has a curveball. And a curveball. And it's like some days the slider looks good. Some days the curveball looks good. Neither of them really stand out as a plus pitch right now. But then you look and you remember that he's only what? I think he's 20 years old this year. So he's still developing into who he's going to be. But I like the working through adversity and finishing the season on this strong, this strong stretch. That speaks a lot to the character of, of what the guy's got down inside. Yeah, and last year he was the minor league pitcher of the of the system. Right. Yeah. Uh, center fielder Tyler Robertson belted a solo home run, and Fort Wayne won its fifth straight over the South Bend Cubs two to nothing. The hashtag Windcaps now have a half game lead over the West Michigan Whitecaps for the final Midwest League, uh, the Midwest League East Division playoff spot with six contests remaining in the regular season. Fort Wayne plays at Dayton Tuesday through Sunday. We must message Emily Walden and make a wager. <laughs> Uh, Lizaraga didn't walk a batter and allowed just three hits across six shutout frames. After Robertson's homer in the fourth, the tin caps added an insurance run in the last of the seventh when first baseman Carlos Luis smacked an RBI double into the right center gap with two outs, scoring second baseman Lucas Dunn from first. 
he was on via a two out walk. If Fort Wayne makes the playoffs, the team would battle the Great Lakes Loons, the Dodgers affiliate, in a three-game East Division Finals. The Loons qualified based off their first half record. Okay, so those of you guys don't know, Emily Walden is, um, she writes for the prospects of the Detroit system, and the Whitecaps are the Detroit's high A club. Um, She has been on our podcast several times. She was going to be our Midwest, and hopefully in the future will be our Midwest insider. Hashtag Uh, Friar insider. Hashtag Friar insider, so we need to, uh, you know, I messaged her. I will, I just put her on Twitter like, Hey, we got to have a wager. So um, maybe this week I'll shoot a text out there and see what, uh, see what we get from her just to have kind of some fun with her. Yeah. I wonder if, so she's, she's right there in, in West Michigan. I wonder if there's some, uh, some food snack or something that they're known for. Right. So like if, if she, if, she, if they win, then we have to send her a, a burrito. And if, if, if they win or, you know, something like that, something, I always love those bets that, that the, the mayors always have against each other when the sports teams are playing. Right. Maybe we'll, one of us will have to buy a white caps shirt or something like that. Cause but she loves a tin cap. She writes about prospects. So that's not a big thing for her to buy a tin cap shirt or maybe we have to buy her a white. Yeah. Well, well I'll, I'm going to talk to her. I'll, I'll I'm going to message her this week and see if we can have some fun with that. But she just, she just won her battle and is finishing up her battle with cancer. So. Yes. Can't say enough great stuff about Emily Walden. She's no. been through it and with what a great attitude. Yeah, absolutely. She has some uh, she has some content coming from Baseball America here pretty soon, she said. Ooh. All right, moving on to strike one for San Antonio. This is from Jalen Snoot from MILB. On Wednesday night, Robbie Snelling entered the conversation, one that did still feature Salas, the number three lifted, left-handed pitching prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline, dazzled with nine strikeouts over five hitless innings with a 17-year-old serving as his backstop. Making only a second double-A start, Snelling picked up his first victory at the level and the 10th of his pro career after throwing 81 pitches, 51 for strikes, while matching his career high with nine punch-outs. MLB's number 64 overall prospect considered it an impressive rebound after going two, uh, three and two-thirds innings in his previous start against Amarillo on August 23rd. Quote, it was awesome, especially coming off of last week, Snelling said. I was really frustrated with five walks. I was lucky to get out there with only one run. I really put in the work to get to this outing this week, and I was happy that it showed a little bit. Each of the three base runners Snelling allowed came via walks, one in each of the first three innings, but he was relatively spotless aside from that. In the bottom of the fourth, the 19-year-old struck out the side on just 12 pitches, and he stayed strong until the end of the outing, fanning two batters in the fifth and final frame. We went up. We went into the game with this very strong game plan, Snelling said, of the work with Salas, who he didn't shake off all night. He's done a great job these last couple of outings of doing notes, of doing notes and being able to bring stuff into our pregame meeting along with my notes. Then we can kind of put our heads together and see how we're going to attack each hitter. That's huge coming from Salas. Yeah, I I loved hearing that. There were a couple of things I saw coming out of this uh, this outing um, that were talking about game planning and and the kind of work that Salas is putting in before the games. Which that's the that was one of the big question marks I had about. Okay, why are they promoting him from Lake Elsinore? There are things that they need to learn how to do and all this. So and it, I mean, the kid really is advanced. I mean, yeah. and you guys remember this is Robbie Snelling's first season. He started in Lake Elsinore. He's 19 years old. They, they, they drafted him out of high school last year. All right. So in his first pro season since being drafted in 39th overall in 2022, 
Snelling has quickly established himself as a strikeout artist. A third-ranked Padres prospect has found 110 batters, good for a 10.4 K to 9 ratio, while walking 32 with only three home runs and one hits batsman through 95 innings. That's 95 innings. Through 20 starts, a six foot three, 1000 or 210 pounder sports a 10 and three record and a 1.8 ERA while holding hitters to a lowly 209 average. He's probably going to be the pitcher of of the minor league system. He'll probably be pitcher of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, just outstanding how he has come onto the scene. I love going out and watching batting practice and being able to see like what pitches you know a hitter likes to hit, Snelling said. We have a pretty cool stat breakdown on how batting averages change depending on counts if you throw the first pitch strike. I think you know hitters' batting averages drops about 100 points. So if you keep filling up the zone, you're giving yourself more of a chance. I, I like that point about watching batting practice. And, yeah. you know, so you're seeing the shape of what a what a batter's swing looks like yeah. and starting to envision because I don't I don't know if they get heat heat maps or anything like that right. what kind of actual data they get um but that's the kind of stuff that there are a lot of guys that don't think to do that to yeah. you know watch okay where is this weight where you know does he look like he can reach the outside pitch does he look like he'd be if i bust him up and in will he be able to get to it that kind of stuff yeah salas number mlb's number five prospect overall has had one of the best views in those in the house for the good portion of snelling's season thank you the highly touted team made a flashy double-A debut the night before Snelling's first San Antonio start on August 23rd, landing a walk-off double in extra innings. Snelling started the season at single-A Lake Elsinore with Salas joining him there at the end of May. After the lefty moved up to high A Fort Wayne on June 27th, the backup followed him on August 8th. Kind of, this is going to be the same thing with Iriarte and, and Valenzuela with, with Snelling and, and Salas. You can see it right now, and this is probably going to be it going forward, these two guys kind of moving up at the same time. I, I do like that, that you get a couple of guys that work well together and yeah. you keep them, you keep them together for at least a step or two, yeah. you know, so then they can help each other blossom. Yeah. Their schedules even up as the battery mates moved within two levels of the major leagues and Snelling's last three outings have been in tandem with Salas. For most of the season, the lefty counted on the storm's Anthony Villar behind the plate and he credited the 24 year old was showing him the ropes. Right. And so I think this this article, so you cropped it out right there, but I think the article kept on going where Snelling was talking about how he observed how Villar would prepare for games. Yeah. And now he sees Salas doing a lot of the same kind of work. Um, and that's kind of what what, you know, stood out to me as you know, what Salas is doing. Right. Absolutely. And here's the thing about the minor leagues. Not all these guys make it, but you know, these but you can still make a major impact on another player that can or that will or you know that just or even move up a level like they all work together yeah they're competing for a job and yeah they're competing to make it to the big leagues but when it comes to day in day out stuff they all work together to get each other better like salas um uh, villar is what 24 so yeah. he's 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 on the borderline he'll probably be in double a next year we'll see what Sal, you know him and salas probably going to be the tandem there in double a <clears throat> but you know, Salas leapfrogged him, but still Villar has plenty of value there as the catcher in Fort Wayne and, you know, training the young guys as they come up. Right. Well, like today you look at the big league game and you've got Matt Waldron in coming in relief. You've got Matthew Batten. And those are two guys that a year ago, you know, I was looking at like, eh, I don't know if they're really going to have a chance to break through. Yeah. Um, yeah. They kind of felt like, I mean, you don't want to use the term filler, but you know, the, the people that are supporting the, 
air quotes prospects. Um, but with enough hard work and some opportunities and some good fortune, you know, things happen for people. Yeah. So to finish that up, that gave Robbie Snelling the Texas League Pitcher of the Week. Congratulations, Robbie Snelling. Um, All right. So not to be overshadowed uh, for strike two on Friday, Ryan Berger coming off his his terrific performance against Amarillo. The right hander was tough to hit on Friday night. Wichita did not get a runner to second base until the bottom of the fourth inning. Berger issued a one out walk who made it to second on a pass ball by Juan Zabala. He was left stranded. The Ohio native had six strikeouts through four innings. Berger's night came to an end after the sixth inning. Uh, The right-hander who struck out nine batters in his last start punched out eight batters on Friday night. He allowed three hits while walking one batter. Over his last three starts, the 23-year-old righty has not allowed a run in 17 and two-thirds innings. He's allowed just eight hits and five walks while notching 22 strikeouts. That's 22 strikeouts in 17 and two-thirds innings, well more than a strikeout per inning. Uh, Friday's start lowered his ERA with emissions to 2.08. Despite the excellent work, Bergert has taken a no decision in his last three starts because the missions have scored (laughs) just one run combined in those games. At the plate, the missions got two hits apiece from Jackson Merrill and Graham Pauly, but nothing else all night. After a slow start to his double-A career, Pauly is heating up. The left-handed hitter extended his hitting streak to five games with a single and a double on Friday night. During the five-game stretch, the former Duke infielder is eight for 21. Um, So, yeah, all the attention's on Robbie Snelling right now. but uh, Ryan Berger was the Tin Caps best pitcher last year. This year, he's continued another really solid campaign. Yeah, absolutely. But you have Jairo Iriarte, you have you know Austin Crobb, you have um, the other pitcher in Double A. It's I, I took him out to put in the Jairo Iriarte. <laughs> anyway, the point being, there's a lot of really good pitching up and down the minors right now, and there's a ton of it in Double A, um, which should set the organization well, really well up for next year. You know, yeah. this year I take a look at the other teams that have been able to bring up guys midseason, and it seems like they've got their triple A and their double A rosters just full of guys that are frothing at the mouth, ready to go. And so I think a lot of these guys, by the time you reach that point next year, they're going to be in that situation where as soon as an opportunity opens up, somebody's going to come up and they're just kind of come up with their hair on fire. Absolutely. And it's probably going to have some of those guys in major league camp too. So Get a oh, lot yeah. Of inning, yeah, in major league camp and then a lot of innings in the spring training games to kind of go up against higher competition. So moving on to strike three, Saturday, Howard Iriarte threw 70, 73 pitches in his fifth and longest start in double A. The hard-throwing righty allowed multiple runners in each of his first three innings, but limited the damage to just one run on five hits and a walk. He finished his outing with a one, two, three, fourth. In 15 or two-thirds innings with the missions, Ariarte, Iriarte, sorry, has 27 strikeouts against nine walks. That nine walks is huge. Like, that is really good for a young kid. <clears throat> San Antonio rallied for four runs in the seventh as the wind surge put the first four mission batters on without a hit before Jackson Merrill laced a two-run double into right field. Merrill collected an assist in his fifth start in left field, tracking down a ball in foul territory and throwing a strike to second to get the runner by several steps. Cole Cummings had a big night with a pair of extra base hits, including a solo home run to right center. The 25-year-old corner bat has three homers over the last nine games. I believe the name you were trying to think of was Adam Mazur. Yes, thank you. I I took him out to put in the highway area because of the article. 
But there's a lot of really good pitching down there. I mean, Nolan Watson, Duncan Snyder, Jared, Jared Kolar, Jose Espada, mm-hmm. Gabe Moser's been bouncing around, Bobby Malacky. There are a lot of guys that have been putting in work down there in uh, in Double A, uh, bouncing around between yeah. High A, Double A, Triple A, uh, and so their names will be on the list next next spring, I'm sure. So Absolutely. moving on to El Paso, strike one on Thursday. Center fielder Taylor Colway went four for six with four RBIs in the win. The four hits were a season high for Colway and tied his career high. Colway has seven hits in the last two games. Right fielder Tirso Arnelas went three for five with a home run and a double, moved his career high hitting streak to 14 games. Arnelas is one game shy of Max Schrock's 15 game hitting streak for the longest by a Chihuahuas player this season. Uh, Tirso Arnelas has been just on a tear lately, yeah. and I'm I'm hoping that we might get to see him called up by the end of the season. I've got my fingers crossed for him. Uh, we adjust. It's finally putting it together in AAA is what I think the organization has wanted to see. He's been killing it in double A. We talked a little bit about that with, with John Conniff thinking that that, you know, thinking that promotion to triple A earlier was kind of a little aggressive. Just let him get that confidence built in double A came up, didn't do well, was sent back down. And then there was, you know, then they called up, I don't know if I think it was an injury, but they brought Tushel up and now he's just tearing it up. He is. Yeah. They brought him up briefly. He didn't do too well. Then he went yeah. back down. And now ever since that second call up, um, I believe I may be wrong, but I believe he's a minor league free agent after this season. Yeah, uh, and so there would be a little bit of incentive for the Padres to select his contract, at least before free agency kicks in. Um, so Chihuahua's leadoff hitter, Tim Lopes, had two hits and a stolen base, his career high 37th steal of the season. Uh, Lopes has the third most hits and the second most stolen bases in the Pacific Coast League. The Chihuahuas stole three bases Thursday and now lead the PCL with 179 steals. Eggy Rosario also contributed three hits, including a double as part of a productive evening. Sean Reynolds picked up his first hold since joining the organization with a scoreless inning. The towering righty acquired in a trade with Miami at the deadline through his first blank frame since August 15th with 11 earned runs and three appearances in between. Reynolds and lefty Adrian Morajone, who threw two innings of one run bar ball as the opener, are two of only three pitchers on the 40 player roster who are not currently on the big league active roster or injured list as rosters expand by three spots on Friday. So Reynolds is definitely a project. He's a converted first baseman outfielder yeah. um, and tall guy, long limbs. He's got a lot of moving parts, uh, but you've got some talented pitching development minds in the Padres organization. Yeah. So I'm sure Rob Marcello and Brian Price and maybe even a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Ruben Niebla have been taking a look at mechanics and trying to clean some things up and get him heading down the mound all in one piece. Uh, but Eggy Rosario, I, I was, I, I thought we might see Eggy called yeah, that me at too. the beginning of the, of, of the month and also Taylor Colway. I mean, he's kind of a, of a under the radar kind of a guy, but he got called up earlier. All these guys are on the 40 man. So I was kind of hoping that, you know, the Padres are showing signs of life, but I don't think they have a chance. No. So if they were to send Bogarts and Machado and whoever else off to the injured list and fill up the roster with these guys from, from the Chihuahuas, let them collect a big league check for a month, have their, you know, day in the sun. You know, I, I would have felt okay with that. Absolutely. Aggie Rosario was certainly a, a, a valued prospect in this system. Like before they signed Bogarts and, and, you know, and, and Manny, like he was on his way up and was certainly going to make going to make waves this year until he broke his leg and i until i go into fantasy camp and see him with a cast on his leg 
um, this was going to be his year to really make a play for, you know, he should be Matthew Batten, to be honest, right now. He should be the Matthew Batten right now. But the injury just got him way far behind in, in this season. So Matthew Batten, luckily and gratefully, is up there in the major league, you know, putting his name out there as well. I And we have to get some kind of value out of him. You do have to show him on the major league level because um, there is depth there that that we're going to need in the future. Like, we need that depth. That's the depth that we lacked this year. It's the depth we're going to need next year. Right. But so he's on the 40-man roster, but he still has minor league options remaining. Right. So there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, holding on to him for that depth. And who knows, you know, things, injuries happen, weird stuff happens, trades happen. So he'll get an opportunity at some point. Absolutely. Moving on to strike two, the Friday the Chihuahuas trailed 8-3 in the seventh inning before coming back to score five runs and tied the game by Kyle Butt. Kyle Lewis led off the bottom of the 10th inning with a game-ending single for Reno. Tursor Ornelas went two for five with an RBI to move his career high hitting streak to 15. Tursor tied the game in the ninth with a single through the infield. Ornelas has tied Matt Schrocks for the longest Chihuahua hitting streak of 2023. Ray Patrick Ditter went two for four with a home run and a walk. It was his third home run in the last five games. Ditter continues to rake in the friendly confines of the PCL. He had two more hits, including a six homer since joining the Chihuahuas. Between San Antonio and El Paso, the veteran minor leaguer has homered 12 times, equaling his career high he set last year while in the Marlins organization. In 34 games with El Paso, the 28-year-old is hitting 296, 441, and 556. Left-hander Drew Pomeranz made a second Well, hold up. Who? Left-hander who? Drew Pomeranz. I tried to sneak it in there. Sneak it in there. Drew Pomeranz. Um, The ghost of Pomeranz. Right? The the Pirates of Pomeranz um, <laughs> uh, made his second AAA rehab assignment appearance, which went pretty well. Well, Pomeranz allowed four runs on four hits while recording just two outs and committing a fielding error. His fastball loss, his fastball velocity topped out at 92. He has not allowed, he has now allowed 12 base runners in an inning and two thirds across three outings and two different stints with a pass of this year. And to be honest, I don't care. I want him to be healthy. I don't care about results. Velocity, yes, that'll come back, but just stay on the mound. Just stay on the field. Uh, I'm ready for him to retire. I, well, I, I mean, I don't mean to be, I, I don't mean to be bitter, but I mean, this is his last year under contract. I mean, yeah, so we're gonna release him. We'll 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 release him at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, he's a free agent. He's he's yeah. walking, and he's he's made what twenty some million dollars to pitch zero innings the last two years. I mean, I yeah, I I I, I respect the effort in trying to rehab and work your way back, and the belief that you can do it. But at some point, you got to just kind of yeah. read the room and like, look, it's not gonna happen. <sighs> So, you know, I mean, you, you take a look. So uh, Craig Stammen decided to retire. He was trying to do the same thing. Rehab the shoulder. He what Torres labrum uh, yeah. spring training. He was trying to work back. And then finally, when that point came and, and big roster decisions with all the draftees came and he finally hung him up and retired. And now he's in the tin caps dugout as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really happy to see that. And it's like, you know, Drew, it's, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. You're running out of time, bud. Watch watch him sign with someone else and watch him come in and just tear us up. 
Yeah, he'll be wearing a blue jersey, throwing but, 98 up you, there. Yeah, you know, right? but if, if we sign him, it's going to be, yeah, we might see him in spring training. We, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm happy to, I'm eager to say happy trails to you, Drew Pomeranz, okay. when that day comes. <laughs> All right, strike three, Saturday, take us out. All right, Saturday, El Paso starter Nolan Watson tied his season high with six innings pitched and got his first AAA win. Kevin Copps pitched a scoreless bottom of the ninth for his first AAA save. Copps worked around a pair of two-out singles in a scoreless ninth inning. The 26-year-old righty has given up two earned runs over eight innings in six appearances since joining El Paso. PCL opponents are hitting 242 against the former third-rounder. Kevin Copps seems to have really turned a corner this yeah. last month and a half or so. I posted a video. I posted a video of his slider, and it was like, "This is major league ready." It's major oh, league I mean, ready. his slider has always been there. It's just you being able to land it for strikes and being able to to fool hitters to get swing and misses with it. Because that was the thing was that he was used to college where his fastball played. Fastball doesn't play so much in the majors or right. in, in pro ball. And then the slider, he was able to throw it a foot off the plate and get guys looking making silly swings yeah. pro hitters spit at that pitch now. So he's had to learn how to refine that. Anyway, um, Tiersor Nellis extended his hitting streak to 16 games yeah. with a seventh inning single. It's the longest hit streak for a Chihuahuas player this season. He pushed his OPS with El Paso up to 822 on the year. Eggy Rosario went two for five with a three run home run and a two run single. Rosario had a big night and what has been a rough year collecting five RBI in a game for the second time this year. He's hit in five straight games with multiple hits in the last three, but still owns just a 775 OPS on the year in 175 plate appearances in 40 games since returning from a leg injury that kept him out of action for almost four yeah. months. And it's worth noting that he had to start and stop his rehab with El Paso several yeah. times. Yeah. He'd come in, play a game or two, and then we wouldn't see him for a couple of weeks. Then he'd come in, play another couple of games, then we wouldn't see him for a couple of weeks. So now he's finally got his legs under him, literally and figuratively. So yay for being healthy. Absolutely. And then last note on here, newly re-signed Jerickson Profar went two for three with two walks in his first game after being assigned to El Paso by San Diego. Welcome home, Jerickson Profar. We're, well, we were three and zero in the Jerickson Profar um, era, and not so much today, probably. But you know, well, it's it's nine to four right now in the bottom of the six. There's still a little bit of time left, uh, but I it's been a while since I've seen the Padres come back late in a in a game where they've been down by more than a run or two. Yeah. All right, so that that's it. So we have one more season. We have one more week left of the season. Then we should get some playoff action. Uh, then we go into the offseason. And coming in the offseason, we're probably going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, I'm going to reach out to some players. Um, I have a a, a friend in uh, that works in the uh, for the Giants, uh, but she is young, a family friend, and in the uh, AZL. So she's in the Arizona League. She works with all the young kids. I'm excited to have her on in the future where she can talk about, you know, what not only what the Giants do, but you know what she can tell us. But you know, kind of what what she does in in the AZL. What's kind this of the first time hearing of this? What's what's yeah. her role? Is she an athletic trainer? Is she a coach? No, she, she, uh... she she posts all. She, it's all it's all the statistics. So she's all about okay. She 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 collects stats. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, her, we're um... gonna we're gonna try to do our best to fill up the off season. But before we get there. You've got the San Antonio missions have already clinched their postseason berth, yep. and you've got some really important series uh, with 
the tin caps and the storm that they're trying to clinch their postseason. So there's lots to watch this year. You guys stay tuned. And I hope next, next week we've got some good news to talk about. Absolutely. Until then, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at zippy underscore TMS. Let's go storm. Uh, Let's go tin caps. <laughs> 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 <laughs>